Hello, and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 66. John and Wendy talk to Victoria Million. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How's it going, John? We're besieged by tech issues this evening. It's not going to (laughs) distract from the awesomeness of the conversation. A little frustrating sometimes when that happens. But again, that's the beauty of technology and podcasting. That is true. That is true. You know, John, we've we've got a pretty busy summer ahead of us. We we Um, do. Hey, before we get too far, I do want to mention, appreciate that our good friends at CareerArc are sponsoring this episode as well. Yes. Thank you, Uh, CareerArc. Returning, returning. Sponsor, awesome people. We yep. love you, Career Arc, and shout out to them as we get going. Yes, we'll see you in. Uh, we'll see them in June. We will. We will. Yes, but yeah, it's going to be a busy good. summer. And you mentioned that uh, yeah. I wanted to talk briefly about HR Florida. We mm-hmm. made the announcement a couple episodes ago that we would be in attendance, and we are again very excited to take part in that conference and and be part of the conversation there. One of the things that they do that's really cool is they have a, a 5K walk run event <laughs> Sunday evening of their conference. And uh, this year, the the charity that they have is the uh, American, sorry, I think it's the American Society Prevent uh, Suicide. And yeah. that is a, a, a cause very near and dear to my heart. Contacted you a little earlier and said, hey, Wendy, why don't we put together a team? And you were kind enough to say yes. So the HR Social Hour will have a 5K team. And we're going to be soliciting donations. We would appreciate if you can help us in that. That would be awesome. If you're attending HR Florida and you're not on one of the chapter teams, sign up. We will more than likely have T-shirts and represent uh, Mm -hmm. as we like to do. Again, I just uh, really excited to be able to give back to the conference in this way, to, to something that, that I all too familiar with, unfortunately, personally, and just wanted to make that announcement. We'll, we'll have in the show notes, we'll have how you can help out. Sure. We'll be talking about it again down the road, but wanted to make that announcement and hope, hopefully those listeners out there can help us out. Yeah. And, you know, trust us, we will not be going for a special time in our 5k. Not at Um, all. (laughs) (laughs) Our goal will be to finish. That's right. That's right. uh, and that's it. So please, you know, join us for a nice 5k stroll through uh, whatever, whatever they have for our, uh, for the route. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Walking outside in Florida in August, maybe won't be fun, but we'll make it fun. We're going to make the most of it. It'll, it we will. will. Our, it will be our time. Like, yes. like the kid says in the Goonies, it's our time. Well, it's our <laughs> time down here. It is. We're in Florida. <laughs> We're down there. But hey, enough of, enough talk about HR Florida because there's yep. going to be plenty more time to talk about that. We have a fantastic guest tonight. Was so incredibly yes. fortunate to spend some time with him at Work Human this year, and looking forward to seeing him very soon. We'll have to talk about that probably in a, a, a recap episode with <laughs> HR Redefine. But I'll let you make the introduction. And we'll get yeah. started. Yes, super excited to welcome Victoria Milian to the show tonight, uh, and looking forward to meeting him in person very soon. His three main professional focuses are human resources, photography, and writing. With HR, he is a HR consultant with Humoriso. He works with clients to design strategies through which their HR processes effectively support the organization's objectives. With photography, he is a street photographer whose images have been shown in a number of public works. He also sells prints and books of his original work. With writing, 
He's blogged about human resources and other business topics since 2009. Currently, he is paid to produce content, which has appeared in a number of sites, including Forbes, and for clients such as ADP, Kronos, and WorkHuman. Victorio, welcome to the show tonight. We are excited to have you here. Our first question is, what's in your glass? Oh, well, first and foremost, thank you for having me on the show, Wendy and John. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to spending some time with you and talking about what I do and what I what gets me excited about what I do. Uh, and good luck with the 5K in uh, HR Florida. Uh, <laughs> Florida in August is, is brutal, so I, I wish you all the best in that. <laughs> we'll lose an extra uh, five pounds that way. Yeah, yeah. It's for a good cause, so, so it's all good. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. Yeah. So to go back to your question, what's in my glass? Like we were discussing earlier, just juggling different projects and responsibilities. Uh, as you outlined, I have three main kind of professional areas that I uh, work within HR photography, as well as writing. You know, I, my main client is a preschool for children with special needs. So as a parent of two kids with special needs, it's a place that holds a, it has, has a dear place in my heart. On the parent side, I worked with a lot of graded teachers and advocates to support my kids' goals uh, as it relates to their respective disabilities. And now I'm on the administrator side. So I get to help the organization be the best it could be to in order to support those kids and those families. So that's been wonderful experience for me. Uh, and really just trying to up my game overall in terms of what it means to be an HR professional, talking about ethics, uh, leadership, making hard decisions as it relates to the type of workplaces we want, the people we want to be, the leaders we want to be, things like that. That's kind of the long and short of it. Well, let's turn the clock back a little bit, uh, Victorio. As I mentioned, you know, I had a chance to visit with you a bit, but I don't know a lot about your history when it comes to HR. How exactly did you get started in the field? And then how did you end up joining forces with John Baldino? Most of my experience uh, out of high school was in retail. So, you know, I started as a stock associate, became a sales associate, worked my way up into management. You know, in retail, obviously, it's about the individuals you have on the sales floor that really make or break your business. And so I had an opportunity to join a major recruitment project in 2005. And from there, that led to an opportunity to become a store HR manager. So I was responsible for the HR functions for a $30 million, 500 plus employee store here in New York City. It was my first ever experience with the full scope of human resources work. Luckily, <laughs> I had good mentors. I had good people on my side that showed me the ropes. And I really uh, had a knack for it. And from there, I wound up doing a number of different projects, working in a number of different capacities throughout my HR career, mostly in retails, then shifting over to uh, restaurants later on. And then at a point around 2013 is when, you know, I was kind of in between jobs. I was looking for a place to land that would be solid and really kind of uh, help me uh, move to the next step of my HR career. And the funny part was John was looking for an HR journalist at the time. And he had sent out a tweet on, on Twitter asking who in the New York area might be interested in an opportunity. 
And I don't remember who it was, but somebody else saw the tweet and recommended me. <laughs> and then we got to talking because we kind of knew each other through social media, but we had never had an opportunity to really talk to each other directly. And a couple of phone calls later, he, he put me in the role and I've been with him ever since. I love that you found your job through Twitter. That, that's yeah, awesome. and, and that's kind of been the story of my life, particularly over the last uh, five years. Most of the work that I do on HR or even through my other work is really through word of mouth, oftentimes through my social media presence. So I'm really grateful for that. So working with John as a consultant, I'm sure you see a lot of different HR issues and can see some trends. What do you see as the top issue for 2019 and what can HR pros do to improve? It really depends. And I know that's a kind of a, a fail-safe word for us <laughs> HR pros, but for the most part, Humoriso deals with small and medium-sized businesses. The challenges we see in those organizations vary. Sometimes it's they are just clueless about how to be in compliance around new laws and legislation in the places that they operate. And so we help them do that. Sometimes they are growing really fast and they're adding headcount and they need help managing that, but then also easing some of those growing pains as it relates to, you know, adding talent, finding talent, uh, again, the compliance component, things like that. So I couldn't say there was like one trend overall that uh, at least we see on our side. So really, I think it's just kind of more of the same. You know, what are the problems that organizations face that we as HR professionals can lend our expertise and our experience to support them in whatever challenges that they face. So I don't think in, in that respect, anything's changed. It's really just the speed of it because it's constant, you know, and you, you just have to be nimble enough and creative enough to be able to support them around those respective needs. Victoria, you talked briefly about being on Twitter and, and knowing you're very active on social media. I've seen you there for quite a long time and you do a lot of little things to promote inclusion you know, you'll tweet a description of a gift that you may share, sharing your pronouns in your bio. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, what's your thought process? How did you decide to start doing those things? And what would you recommend to others that we could do at work, those same types of little things to promote inclusion? Well, as it relates to what I do on social media, I think what's been helpful to me is, you know, the when I first started on social media, the thing that kept me on Twitter and other platforms was that I quickly found a community of HR professionals that were already in the space. They seemed to be able to navigate the space in really good ways. And so they welcomed me into the community. And as a result, I learned from them and I expanded on what they taught me to be a better HR professional utilizing social media. Since that time, I've expanded my social networks to include communities outside of the typical HR professional online. So I follow social activists, for example, uh, in a variety of different capacities. I follow creative artists. I follow other figures that through their perspectives and through their 
social media presence, I get to learn more about how they see the world. And it's expanded my thinking to make sure that if I am going to speak to those communities or rather engage in those communities, I should be respectful of the cultures of those communities. And culture comes down to language. And so when it comes to gender expression, having your pronouns front and center is an indicator of how you perceive yourself in terms of your gender. And it gives people a clue as to how they approach you as it relates to uh, including image descriptions. When I post a GIF or uh, a photo, it's really a nod to the disability community and the fact that, you know, if you're blind or you have difficulty uh, seeing that you are using a text reader in order to see what those uh, images are. So again, a lot of the ways I try to be inclusive is to listen to people that may not look or appear like myself and take cues from them uh, in terms of how I can interact and engage. And as it relates to organizations, it's pretty much the same thing, you know, as an HR professional, as a business leader, you know, I set the tone, I set the pace. So if I am doing these small things in-house to really make people understand that diversity is important, that inclusion is important, that respect and appropriate communication is important, if I'm modeling those things and I'm setting the tone and expectation around those things, hopefully those those small acts will permeate the organization's culture and starts to make positive change. Showing people what to do, I think, is is great. I, I know one of the things that you've done is you make sure that you capitalize every word in a hashtag. And I started doing that and I was like, okay, well, that makes it easier for me to read. <laughs> yeah and i just found out about that recently that apparently again going back to text readers when you capitalize the words in a hashtag it makes it easier to be read and i i had never thought of that and uh, somebody i follow on twitter uh mentioned that and i'm like you know light bulb moment duh all right (laughs) let me start doing that and we can all read it it's just it's so much easier and it's you know, you don't, when you don't think of it. And so I, I like that, you know, just those small little things to help, help people feel included. And, you know, you, cause you don't think about them if you're not having to use, you know, a, a screen reader to get your tweets to you. So a couple months ago um, in March, there was a Twitter conversation on tokenism, still kind of gathering the tweets together to put them in some sort of order that makes sense <laughs> to follow that conversation because there's a lot of good stuff there. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. I, I should have had a hashtag so I could easily follow it a little better. But, you know, talking about that and down the diversity and inclusion road, you know, how can we make sure that when we when we're looking at diversity, we're doing more than just checking the box, making sure that we've got, you know, we've got the one female, we've got the one black guy or, you know, double points, we've got a black female. How can we make sure we're doing more and getting to that real inclusion that we need to? Oh, that's a great question. And there is no one-size-fit-all answer. I would say kind of at a basic level, it really comes down to whether or not the organization recognizes the need for change. If we're talking about an organization that has a diversity issue and is, you know, at, at least on the surface, making attempts to address it. Because one of the things that often gets confused when 
we talk about diversity and inclusion is the issue around individuals versus systems. If we hire a black woman to occupy a role, that's about the individual, right? Oh, here, check, we've done this thing. But if the system itself or the organization that represents the system is broken or it pushes back against any sort of change that relates to diversity, inclusion, equity, and even justice, then it always reasserts itself and you're still back at the same problem. And I think that's kind of the frustration that became evident in that Twitter conversation is that people have been talking about diversity and inclusion for decades. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a new problem that organizations yeah. have had to tackle. And yet everybody seems to be fumbling with how to do it and do it well and balancing all the different competing interests, right? You know, you're a business that needs to make money, right? And so that's your primary focus. But you want to ideally reflect the communities in which you maybe operate or your customer base and things like that. And so how do you marry the two in a way that really makes it apparent that you are trying to do the right thing, even as you are attempting to maximize shareholder value or to maximize return on every dollar invested in, in the organization? And there is no easy answer for that. But I do think that ultimately, one of the things that any organization has to do if they're really serious about diversity and inclusion is they have to make it a moral issue. They can't make it an ROI issue because the ROI has already been proven that diverse teams are much better in terms of outperforming monolithic teams, so on and so forth. I mean, the, the data is there and it's been there for forever and a day. But if you don't lead from an ethical standpoint around this issue, then you can't change the system that perpetuates the lack of diversity and inclusion in, in organizations. So, you know, and, and again, and that's why I think people get frustrated by, oh, you know, we got caught doing something stupid. Now we're going to hire a diversity and inclusion specialist. It'll probably be a black woman or a black man. <laughs> and he has no power. And six months from now, he's going to resign saying he, he moved the needle somewhat, but nothing's gotten done. At this point, it is a moral issue and making it part of your culture and making sure that it goes through every part of your organization. It's not easy, but I, I agree. Um, we have to be on the moral side that we're doing it because it's the right thing to do. Right. And I think once you determine that is the, the case, you figure out a way to allocate resources, you figure out a way how to get people on board, you figure out where the blind spots are and how to deal with those. And, you know, it's going to mean uncomfortable conversations. It's going to mean a lot of self-reflection on an individual level and as an organizational level, but it can be done, but it really, it comes down to the will to do so. And it becomes even tougher when you're still successful in spite of your lack of diversity. I mean, you know, not to call out Google, but let's look at Google, right? Google's got a huge diversity problem and they have some of the brightest minds on earth working for the organization along with a budget that rivals most countries. 
if anybody could figure out how to really capture the the issue around diversity in organizations and tackle it in an effective way where they could show real sustainable improvement in that area, both short-term, mid-term, and long-term, it would be them. Mm-hmm. And yet they're, they're like a lot of other organizations kind of shrugging their shoulders and saying, well, we kind of threw some money at the problem, but we still have, you know, people in on our back channels, you know, saying that we're a horrible organization to work at. And it, there's actually reverse discrimination here. And it's like, really? <laughs> Can we not do that? Exactly. Exactly. We're going to take a real quick break and we'll be right back. This episode is being brought to you by CareerArc. Back in March, I had an absolute blast presenting another webinar with my friends at CareerArc. We had 1,700 people register for a talk on Social Recruiting 101, and we were able to connect with so many other viewers afterwards as well. You know, while I've hosted several webinars with them, I wanted to mention that CareerArc is unique in the space is that they not only power a recruiting solution, but an outplacement solution as well. You know, this type of career transition service that's given to employees affected by changes in an organization, be it acquisitions, layoffs, location moves, you know, those employees that are impacted by this change remain important to a company, and companies want to do what's right and provide those employees assistance to get to their next job faster. That's what CareerArc powers. It's a virtual outplacement solution that's more accessible to all levels of the organization. So whether you're entry-level, senior level, blue collar, white collar, everybody and everything in between. You can even get your resume reviewed by an experienced coach, video chat or text chat, and then even work with a video coach on demand on at your convenience and on your time. So after the show, go over to careerarc.com, check out a webinar or two, check out all the free resources when it comes to employer branding, outplacement, and recruitment. Thanks, CareerArc, for being part of the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. Now back to the show. Well, Victoria, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, the Half Hour Question Connection. Who was your first professional mentor, and what was the most important or impactful thing you learned from them? As it relates to HR, my first professional mentor was my direct supervisor when I joined a the corporate HR office when I was really, again, coming up as a new HR person. I had just been promoted from the store HR position and I moved into a corporate role because they were rolling out a new time and attendance software program to all the sites across the country. And they needed an HR lead on the project team to roll it out. The HR director at the time, she immediately told me that I needed to up my game as an HR professional. So she pushed me to get my HRCI certification. Uh, At the time, I was like, okay. (laughs) And, you know, when I started reading the body of knowledge, uh, it really helped me open my eyes to the fact that there was still so much about HR that I had to learn. But she was really encouraging. She really pushed me and... You know, six months after I uh, committed to taking the test, I was able to pass the test and I was able to get certified at the time. One of the things she taught me is, you know, ongoing education is really important, particularly in our in our work, because of the rate of change in terms of what we do and the laws that we need to be mindful of and how to work with people of different levels of the organization and so on and so forth. Even though we didn't always get along, she really had 
my best interests at heart as a professional more often than not. And I will always be appreciative of that for her. Victoria, who's one person you've gained in your network in the last year that you think more people should know? That is hard. Like one person. You know, I don't really think of individuals in that respect. I know that's kind of strange. I mean, there's people that I like in HR for a lot of different reasons. If I had to pick one in the last year, I would say Jasmine Wilkes, HR Jazzy on Twitter. She brings energy. She brings intelligence. She brings jokes. (laughs) She is, she's an up and comer and I have no doubt she is going to be really successful in her HR career because she is, every time I look, she is speaking at a conference. She, I know she just recently completed her master's. She is involved on a local level on, in a lot of different chapters and and settings around HR. She's not afraid to speak her mind about issues that maybe, uh, you know, if I, would have placed myself in her shoes at her, at her stage of her career, I wouldn't have been as clear and as focused in kind of my thinking as she is currently now. I, I don't see her being anything but even better as she uh, develops in her career. And you know, I was just lucky to happen to meet her briefly last year at Sherm 18 and this past uh, spring at WorkHuman. If you could go back to the start of your career, what's one piece of advice you would give yourself based on what you know now? If it had to be one piece of advice, I would go back to school. One of the things that I don't share, not because of my stage of this career right now, and I never finished college. Everything I've learned about HR, about being a business professional, photography, writing, all of it, I learned as I went throughout my career. I don't regret the decision not to go back to school, but I do miss it. I liked college when I was in it. I I learned a lot. I liked the camaraderie of being a student and being around other students. And having recently done a tour with my daughter who has made a decision about her college choice, (laughs) it it just (laughs) brought it all back. Like, oh yeah, right. Being on campus. I remember this, (laughs) books, right? Things like that, picking classes and what am I going to learn and all that good stuff. Yeah. So I would say in terms of my career, if I could get it, if I was to go back in time and complete my degree, I, I would do that. How do you enjoy giving back to the community, Victoria? I I believe my success is community based, uh, like I mentioned before, when I got onto social media, I immediately found an HR community that embraced me. They were the ones that encouraged me to start blogging, which led to opportunities, again, because of my presence on Twitter through a community member in the HR space. They were the ones that referred me to John, and that's why I'm part of Human Reso. So for me, Whenever I have an opportunity to give back to the community, I try my best to do so. If it's a conversation with somebody who's maybe looking for a new job opportunity, or if it's somebody that maybe has a question about something going on in their workplace and they want somebody to bounce ideas off of, anything and everything within my power to do, uh, I try to 
do toward the community. And some of that is also challenging the community. I think sometimes, you know, we, we get so comfortable with each other in our small circle that we don't always remember that part of our role is to think about the next thing. And again, think about the ethical challenges that we as an industry face. I don't try to belabor the point, but I'm not going to try to ignore that there are things that we should be paying attention to, whether it's diversity and inclusion, whether it's kind of, again, the ethical choices we make about the type of businesses we operate or the type of business partners we connect with. All of those things should be on the table for discussion so that way we can improve overall as a community. Victoria, what is your favorite movie? Oh, (laughs) that's another hard one. I will say that generation-defining movies, when I was a kid, it was definitely the the original Star Wars trilogies because I am of that age from when they came out in the theaters and I saw them all in the theaters and they were very defining movies for me as a a kid and, and teen. In my 20s, the defining movies for the Matrix trilogies, I really loved those. And then now particularly movies that I enjoy with my kids. Marvel, I mean, they're just (laughs) amazing right now. But even amongst all the different Marvel movies that are really good, particularly for us as a family, Black Panther, and I know it's not a Marvel movie, but it is a Marvel character. It's Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Yes, we the whole my whole family loved that. Even my eight year old daughter, she wants to be Spider Gwen. Nice. <laughs> yeah. We went Christmas Day. I that was my first time seeing it. The others saw it for the second or third time because they aren't in school. But that was a fantastic, fantastic movie. And my oldest and my husband are both hoping that Miles shows up in the next live action Spider Man. I, I know so many opportunities there. I yeah. Mean, it, it, and the the way it was it was drawn and the animation. I mean, mm-hmm. it was like they did everything right. It was an amazing movie. Yeah. Maybe this is a little easier, Victoria. But what about your favorite <laughs> musician or band? <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not <laughs> at all. Honestly, I do not have a particular favorite musician or band. I listen to a lot of different styles of music. I do lean more toward house music. I am, again, of that age when house music was really big here in New York City. And my uh, second oldest brother was also a DJ. So that was Mm. the type of music that he played most of the time. And that's what I was surrounded by, what I grew up in. So I really like DJ-driven music more so than, say, like a band or a particular singer. So that's where I kind of lean toward. If I had to pick a, say, a genre, if you put a gun to my head and ask me about a favorite band or musician, that would be really, really hard. I would, prob- <laughs> I would probably default to Prince because he is just the total package, you know, and Beyonce, Beyonce, sorry, because now she is the new total package in my mind. That, that, that's my answer. How about a favorite TV show? I don't have one. I rarely watch TV. I shouldn't say that. I do watch some TV. I don't watch entertainment TV. So I'm either watching the news or I am on occasion 
maybe watching something, usually with the family. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. Right now, we are watching a Korean drama on Netflix, and it's about mythical gods, but it's set in the modern era. So they all look human, but they all represent different animal deities. And it's this weird love story, (laughs) and there's a potential subplot that might initiate Armageddon. (laughs) <laughs> and it sounds really strange, but everybody from my 13-year-old to myself, we all love it. <laughs> so that that is the one show we are kind of consistently watching. But even then, it's in fits and starts. I, I feel like we might need to change that to fit like a favorite series. Because there's a lot yeah. of people that, you know, you don't have TV or you don't have cable. But somebody says, oh, watch this series on Netflix or HBO or, or whatever. So you, you get that one that one or two series is that you binge watch or... Exactly. Yeah. I'm hoping one day I can sit down and actually binge watch Game of Thrones because I have yet to see a single episode. And now with Mm -hmm. all of the fanfare and everything else, I feel completely left out. (laughs) So, all right. I've read the books, but obviously the books are not the same. So I have to like figure that out. You probably need about a month, I think, to get through. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Without like kids or or work or anything else. Or life for... (laughs) Exactly. Well, Victoria, I always look for connection, and, and you and I had an opportunity in Nashville to talk comic books. I'm glad that you mentioned the MCU films. They're, they're great. I don't know if you've seen Endgame yet. It is a wholly satisfying into oh, yes. the last 11 years. We may do an episode about it later because I got a lot to say, but I don't know when people are going to hear this, and I'm not going to spoil <laughs> it. Else. But having said that, if you're not watching those defining movies of your life, not listening to house music, watching this Korean show that really intrigues me on multiple levels. Mm-hmm. Now, what else do you like to do outside of work? There really isn't a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> I will say photography is probably my go-to when I am not having to really focus on professional commitments or personal commitments. It's an emerging practice for me. So, you know, I've been doing it consistently for five years. So there's still a learning curve involved and I'm enjoying that process of learning how to take good pictures and seeing the world in a different fashion through photography. It informs some of my work in other ways. So I have the opportunity to use some of my photography skills with some of my clients. Uh, It's a good way to kind of capture milestones and events And then it gives people a visual frame of reference for that. Because sometimes, you know, you're working so much that you don't remember that, yeah, we did this really cool thing. And photographs kind of help people get back into that space of recognizing that, yeah, we did this really cool thing. So I'm starting to incorporate some of my photography practice into my HR practice as well, which has been great. I, I think there's just something about, particularly when you take an image and take it off the screen, and you make a print of it, or you make a photo book of it, and it becomes a tangible object that I'm really excited about, because my day job uh, entails me sitting in front of a computer for anywhere from, you know, four to six hours a day. And so to do something that results in a tangible object is really satisfying and a nice break from, from that sort of work. Finally, Victorio, if you weren't working in HR, what do you think you'd be doing professionally? I've been asked that question before, and 
I like what I do. So I can't imagine doing something else. And part of the reason I like what I do is because I'm in a place now in particular where I kind of, people are giving me the freedom to do it in the way I believe I can do it best. You know, I've worked in corporate gigs where they were very clear on how an HR professional should act. And there was a certain amount of conformity that was acceptable to me, but a certain amount that wasn't. And now that I am with uh, John at Humoriso, and he's a really great boss in the sense that from day one, he was very much like, if you need me, give me a call. Otherwise, I'm going to trust that you are going to handle the job. Let's me do the job the way I see fit. And I've been appreciative of that from him from day one. The fact that I am in this good place where I can perform my role in the way I believe is best and give it my maximum effort, give it my maximum creativity, uh, give it my maximum energy and still be able to balance my personal responsibilities as well. I think I wouldn't change anything professionally speaking at all right now. But if that was to change (laughs) somehow magically, I would probably want to travel more. You know, I think there, I I know of some HR professionals that are able to travel and work with clients in a number of different localities and support them in that way. And they seem to be successful at it. They seem to be happy with that. I would like to try it. I don't know if I'd want to do it long term, but I like the idea of traveling to a client outside of the New York area working with them, seeing what I can do, and kind of also be engaged in their space. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something, virtual is fine for a lot of projects, but there is something about being on the ground with a client, working with them directly, being in their space, uh, and seeing kind of the, the environment in which they live and, and breathe in the, their communities that uh, I find really appealing. I've done it a couple of times in previous roles. And if I had to re-engage in that, I would like to explore that further. We're glad that you are in HR. I'm glad that you are challenging. I don't want to say the status quo, but I will, because I don't really mm-hmm. know else how to say it, but I appreciate what you're saying, how you say it. I appreciate how respectful you are. And I'm really glad that we were able to spend a, a little bit of time together to do the show. And there may be a few listeners that aren't familiar with you. Now that they've heard you, they're going to want to follow you. What's the best way for them to reach you out there? If they Google my name, they'll definitely find me. <laughs> uh, you know, the, beauty of, the beauty of having an unusual name is, you know, not many people have it. And I just come up and Google search right to the top. <laughs> Twitter, I'm Victorio underscore M. My photography website, the main one is creativechaosphotography.com. In terms of writing, again, I'm in a number of different places. Just, again, Google my name and my blog post and my writing and my other work will bubble up pretty much to the top. We'll have your Twitter and photography site there. We'll put a note about Google in the show notes too. Mm -hmm. Wendy, what's the best way for the listeners to find you? (laughs) Best way to find me is on my blog, mydailyjourney.com. Daily is D as in dog, A-I-L-E-Y. 
And the fourth Sunday of each month, please join us on Twitter for the monthly HR Social Hour Twitter chat. How about you, John? Before I share how to find me, I do want to thank CareerArc once again for being such a great sponsor and friend of the show. Really do appreciate you taking part again in another episode. But as far as for me, you go to hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. Left-hand side of the screen at the top, three little lines. You click that button and it'll drop down. You'll see all the links to my social. And while you're there, if you ha- there's an episode you haven't listened to, you can download directly. You can share, you can review, you can subscribe. You can do all the things that you can do to help us boost our signal. We really do appreciate it. Always say thank you. We'll continue to say thank you. Thanks for being part of part of our community and, and again, just continuing to help us build. So Victoria, I really appreciate you being with us tonight. So yes. for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect. Give back and network. Network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon.